Welcome to Poolside Podcast. This is episode number 30 and I'm your host Rachel Anthony. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode. I'm super pumped that we have hit episode number 30 in just a few months. Yesterday I sat down with Vladimir Takeoff whom I met through Instagram like three or four years ago. Uh, We had just went for coffee just to network really um and since then we've worked on the same projects we've both worked for date night in calgary as well as yyc cycle and over the years we just connect update each other on what is happening and share tidbits of information from the creative and social world which we both work in Vlad is the founder and owner of Workmore, a consulting firm that helps businesses understand their why and using design to become successful. He is also one of the people behind the fashion startup Megari, and he shares his journey of how it all started. He picked up a camera when he was super young. He was nine years old. He filmed his first wedding video when he was 14 and started his business by the time he was in high school. It's a super impressive story about just working hard and learning your craft. Throughout this episode, Vlad gives nuggets of useful and practical information for people looking to build a brand, start a business, and really just learn. Um, He shares how he balances going to school, getting a full degree, as well as running this business with employees and still having time for other side projects. We talk about why you should set up proper contracts, how daily journaling has changed his life and how he disconnects from it all. He shares where he gets his inspiration for his creative work, how his background, culture and immigrant parents from Russia gave him a different perspective as he was growing up and why sleep is the most important part of a successful life. He also lists a ton of good books that you should read. He lists them at the end, so make sure you have your notes ready to write down which books you need to order off of Amazon right after this. So let's get into it. I really enjoyed this episode and I think you'll get a lot out of it. Here is Vlad. Welcome back to the podcast. I am sitting here with Vladimir, thank you for joining me. Thank you. I'm excited. A journey. Let's do it. Let's do it. Do you want to start with introducing yourself? Sure can. Um, my name is Vladimir Tegel. I am... God, what am I? Um, damn. I should have thought of this before. <laughs> it's not hard. You're just talking about yourself. <laughs> I hate talking about myself. Are you going to cut this out? No. Oh. All right. Well, I'm just Vladimir Tegel. I am a local Calgarian, born and raised, been up to no good since day one. I am a full-time student at MRU, which I never tell anybody, but I guess the podcast gets to know. Um, I run a consulting firm called Workmore, and it is my pride and joy, alongside a fashion startup slash design company slash kind of just an outlet for fun known as Magari, and that's... That's me. I'm an avid spin enthusiast. I ride bikes a lot. And yeah, I don't know. Do you ride real bikes as well as spin bikes? Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. What a concept. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, so you're obviously very busy. So we'll start with work more. Yes. What is it? How did it start? Well, what work more is, is it's a foundational report, a, a, 
approach, a bottom-up approach to working with businesses and making sure that they have their shit together. Uh, because it doesn't matter if you build the coolest website or make the coolest logo. If the business isn't doing super hot and there's issues somewhere that are swept under the rug, that logo isn't going to, it's not going to help anyone. There, there are other issues that you have to overcome. Um, and that can be, that can be as simple as understanding your why better, but that can also come down to an HR nightmare that might be going on and sabotaging the whole business. So we, we always start with the foundation and from there we'll craft messages and we have a full creative team and a full uh, media team to facilitate any crazy idea or stuff that we want to pull. Wow. So that's, that's work more. Yeah. And how did you, well, how did you start it? But you're obviously still in school, so it's not like you got a business degree and then started a business. So how did you even know oh that you were starting a business? Um, well, like six, seven years ago, I met you, what, like four years ago now? Yeah. Yeah. So when, when I was kind of figuring out myself and like not knowing who I am, what I'm going to do, like I've always kind of been into photography and video. So as a kid, I convinced my, I convinced my parents at a garage sale to pick up one of those little mini DV cameras. Like, I don't know why that was there because that was still pretty revolutionary at the time, but I ended up picking up this mini DV camcorder and I started filming everything. I'd buy little tapes um, and I'd kind of, I'd always just be behind a camera and I'd always steal my parents' DSLR when the DSLRs kind of went from film to digital and they, the first DSLR that we had, they'd always be stealing it and shooting it. And I just really, fell in love with capturing moments. And with that, there came a time of day. So I started carrying the newspaper. I was a paper boy at age like nine or 10. And with that, I always knew that I wanted to buy a camera. So I worked my ass off for two, two years, maybe pocketed like 10 cents off of it uh, every week. But we ended up, I ended up talking to my parents. They're like, okay, you're ready, go buy a camera. And I had no idea what I was going to do. Like, a camera's expensive, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to get the best video camera that I can get. Even if I don't know how to use it, like, I'll figure it out. So I bought one of those Canon XA10s. Like, it just came out. It was, like, the best prosumer um, level camera. And I think my parents helped me out with buying some extra batteries and whatnot. But it was a $2,000 purchase at age, like, 13. Um, and when that happened right away, I started doing, I was like, okay, I got to make a video every day. I got to work on something. I got to be doing things. And slowly over time, I started doing, I had a, I had a whole YouTube channel back in the day around um, Lego reviews and Lego sets and the whole, the whole thing. I, I, as a kid, I hated Lego, but my friend convinced me that it was a great idea. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. Um, which actually blew up when it was really fun. But, um, always trying something new and actually learning how to use that camera resulted in sort of doing family events and friends of family events. And then um, I stole, I started seeing the DSLR more and more, getting into photos, got to a point where there was a friend's wedding who was coming up and they were like, okay, like we already have a video team, but if you make a video, we'll pay like 200 bucks. I'm like, all right, sure. It's a little 14 year old lad was running around filming, <laughs> filming a wedding. Um, and once that happened, it took me like six months to learn how to edit and like actually give them the video. But after that, another family friend was like, Hey, we loved your video. Can we, can we do a, another wedding film with you? And this time I'm like, okay, now I got to actually start paying for the camera. And I had the conversation with parents of like, they were like, listen, like you can buy anything you want, but if you're not making money to cover the cost of it, like you're not running a business. So I'm like, okay. So I think I charged them like a grand. Um, and as a 14 year old, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Um, and I ended up kind of doing that um, over and over. I think I did three weddings total, so I did it another time after. 
But then there were like little friends and family events, and then there were my parents were in a nonprofit children's theater, so I was doing video work for their live shows, and then I got there was like a whole journey of making like ads and like little things, and like it wasn't it wasn't huge budget, and, and nothing there was really all that exciting, but it was it was a chance to go and do it. Um, and I took everything that I could, and after a little bit, I saved up another fourteen hundred dollars and bought a like a proper DSLR for myself, and then I started, and then that's when. By that point, I was in like grade nine, end of grade nine, summer. Like, I'm like, this is, this is a while ago. <laughs> and Guardia um, Solar started doing things and then Instagram kind of started blowing up. I think I made my first Instagram account in grade nine. And I think I wasn't even, I don't know if I was 13 yet because you have to be like 13 for right. Facebook or whatever. <laughs> so I started like figuring it out and started just posting. Like, I was taking photos of like cards laid out on it, like in our library or right. library tables and stuff like, like super that. super artsy. Yeah, with like things. all the filters, like X-Pro totally. 2 cranked up. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. And um, it kind of, it kind of started getting some like weird like attraction of people. People started following it. I'm like, okay, um, let's try and do photo stuff. So I would like, every time we went anywhere with friends or did anything or whatever, I'd always be taking photos and whatnot. Um, and I started building an actual portfolio, like launched a website. It was like, okay, let's put up some prices, like a little 45 minute session. Right. Um, and this was like in high school or still in grade nine? This is like grade nine summer. Okay, cool. And then in grade nine summer, I found online, there was a position for a video editor for Calgary is awesome, which was, which was a news media, positive news media outlet here in Calgary. It's all online. They've been around for, they were around back then for probably two or three years already. They had a pretty big following, like about 30,000 readers um, every month, which is pretty substantial in Calgary. And I was like, oh, okay, like I'll come in and I'll do, like I'll help edit videos. What I failed to realize is actually a position to write as like, a, like an editor who writes for like a newspaper in a sense, to write about video-based and photo-based and cinema-based events that are going down. And I walk into the meeting and they're like, oh, like you've got, a, you've got some cool photos. We're really tight time in this project. Can you take it? And I'm like, Okay, so I think I signed a contract, um, probably not legally, but I was like, whatever, right. like, yeah. we'll do it. Um, and I started doing, I started writing for that outlet for at least six or seven months, like twice a week. They'd be going to events, covering things. My parents were not stoked about me driving. Um, and it got to a point where um, I took over the social media. I was doing, like we were growing the Twitter, we were growing the, um, the actual online ads that we were doing because we wanted to start paying ourselves real money. And I remember going to the UFC for a concert series and it was like this death metal punk show where like it was like heavy rock and there were people dressed up in these like insane costumes and they were squirting blood into the audience. And I'm not one to I'm not one for heavy rock or like heavy metal, but my goodness. I think that was when I was like, holy shit, I'm too young to be here. Like I, I gotta <laughs> like what am I gonna what am I gonna do now? And I think um, after that, we I kind of like backed out a little bit, like looked at everything, and I'm like, okay, maybe I should kind of slow down because I, I could choose how much I wrote. Well, I'm like, I want to slow down and kind of focus on my own thing. And because I had built up such a portfolio over doing all of these events, and like I started meeting a lot of people, um, I started building my Instagram, my personal one. Um, I started doing my own website stuff, started blogging on there, like trying to get some sort of attention, and then slowly just started getting freelance gigs. Um, working with working with individuals around Calgary, like small businesses. I remember Alberta Branded. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like you. I worked with them. Before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, like I was, I reached out to them and started doing like photo work and like we'd go drive around and then 
this is kind of throughout the first, like grade 10, grade 11 of high school. Um, and then all of a sudden, what they call like a massive board meeting at uh, Calgary's Awesome. And they're like, okay, the company's getting shut down. And I was kind of like, what? First of all, I was probably like 20 years younger than everyone else there. Um, but then also I was like, I don't know what to do in this situation. Right. So they, they explained everything to us. And I, I don't even know if I want to go into the details still to this day. But um, we were kind of going around in a circle and everyone was like, oh, like, what do you do? What do you plan to do? Maybe would there be interest in like starting our own kind of version of this and like growing it? Um, and I think to this day it actually exists as Calgary Guardian. Um, okay. But it never, I don't know if it ever took off to the same extent as Calgary is awesome. Um, and they were kind of going around. I'm like, oh, well, I'm a student and I'm going to start a marketing agency. I don't know why I said that. Yeah. <laughs> but I did. So I'm like, okay. And I was like, I guess it was in like the back of my mind. I don't know. Um, and then all of a sudden, we like leave the meeting two weeks later. One of them reaches out like, hey, I have this like little project. Can you help me out? And I'm like, okay, let's do it. Um, and it kind of just snowballed from there. I, I started I started with the intention of it being like marketing by creators for creators. So it was more of a hub than anything else. Uh, but slowly realized that um, like learning aspects of design and learning how to do photo and video were at much higher of a level and kind of all of all the little pieces to get agency work and like learning how to do contracts and whatnot, that took forever. But um, it got to it got to a point where there was enough like like small business action that was kind of going out. I was learning a whole bunch. Um, I graduated high school a year and a half early because I was like, hey, I'm over this. So I took like twice as many courses you're allowed to do, bounced around classes and uh, kind of got out of there as fast as I could so I could focus on learning how to become a like a marketer or a content creator. I don't even know what I'm called or what I was right. trying to figure out. But I was just yeah. kind of doing whatever I had the opportunity to do. Wow. So that's awesome. So it kind of just came at you. Just really like there was no plan. You just like went along with what was happening. Yeah, and I always knew that I wanted to help businesses, but I didn't know how or why. But it just right. So. And what are you taking in school now? I should know, but I can't. Right now, um, so I'm in my like second and a half year um, I'm doing a what is it called a BBA in general management with a concentration in innovation and entrepreneurship mm-hmm. um, and then another major in marketing and a minor in finance wow so right and so this will help you already have your business but obviously more education helps solidify your business I think so Learn, I think honestly, more. when it comes to school I don't think it's really for me it's not about um, it's never really been about the grades while I do try and get as close to a 4.0 as possible, I mean, it's not always realistic. Like, I've walked out of, um, I didn't show up till final last semester because I had a client meeting that I had to take, and it was, like, it was pretty big. So, I mean, you you got to make those sacrifices. But um, more than anything, I just made a promise to myself that I'd get through school. So, I sped through high school. That's, like, you have to do high school. So, I was like, yeah, let's just get it out of the way. did, like, I don't know why I did full AP and all that, but got it out of the way and now here it's like now I'm just going to enjoy it and take what I want um, and it's more about like just there's so many cool individuals especially in Mount Royal especially in the Entre programs that just being there it's so refreshing and like you, know, you have a question you want to talk to a prof about something you just you just go and chat like there's no there there's a very competitive edge but there's also a very like friendly everybody just wants to everybody's actually there because they want to be there right which is no, super that's, cool yeah that is cool um and what advice would you give somebody who 
wants to start a business, whether they're in school, finishing school. I think first off, don't don't put yourself in a position where you feel like you have like it, it is mandatory to finish school or finish something to start, because there are so many other things that you still need to start before like a business forms. That you just you just gotta you just gotta start at the end of the day. Find whatever your um, wherever your passion lies. Like for me, it's capturing moments. For me, it's helping people feel better. Right? It's so problem problem solving um, and fixing people's issues through whether that's design or again capturing whatever that is. Right? Just find whatever your narrative is and then take that to a business sense. There are so many things that could be done, or there's so many things that. Um, should be done, but nobody's doing it. Like, there's always an opportunity. Right. And so. like you said, meeting people, talking to people, asking questions yeah. can help spread that. Um, do you have a mentor? Have you ever had a mentor in this process? Would it be something you recommend to people? Or would you say it's more just like a peer group and being able to like talk to people at the same level? I think what's really uh, bizarre about my situation, when I started out, no real mentorship aside from you could call a mentor off like watching a bunch of their YouTube videos. Right. Um, like Gary Vee's Oliver mentor or something if you just watch. Yeah. Listen, kind of thing. What a guy. Um, <laughs> mostly, n- nothing really when I started the photo thing. When work more kind of came to be, um, what I quickly realized is I, I started because of the people I knew through the photo stuff and, the, and, the, and doing the writing and all of that. There was a moment where um, people started approaching me and they were like, hey, I heard you're doing this. Can, can you help me out here or whatever? And very quickly, a lot of these client relationships became like, I'm offering this service, but then in return, not only am I getting compensated for it, I'm also, there is some sort of mentorship there in aspects that I've never even thought about, which I think is super like bizarre to be in where your clients are actually mentoring you in a sense. But um, it's kind of how like the teacher learns so much from the students. I think it's kind of that relationship that uh, really started to grow. And it was only when I really started right Right after I ended high school and started getting into university, like I had a, had a gap year, which would have been grade 12 for me. Um, in that point, there was, um, I was introduced to a few, to a few people from the Institute, um, and uh, we just became either really good friends or I guess it was more like a mentorship, but I reached out to a bunch of people um, over LinkedIn and I reached out to people here um, in like some of the biggest companies like Shane from Shane Holmes like him and I go for coffee every once in a while like there's some like I just started reaching out to people and the people that were there um, kind of whoever was there were like yeah I'm willing to listen to you for a minute you know right. yeah. it all kind of kind of just started coming out and then I met somebody at NYU and it's been good ever since so yeah. I've been getting mentored ever since right but <laughs> I do recommend it yes um, and how long did you work by yourself before you hired somebody else? Like at what point did you realize you have to hire, I don't know if they're employees or just so contractors? What had happened is, it was kind of this weird gray zone for a year of just getting everything figured out, whether that's like like the legal stuff of actually how do you start a company, to how do you start a company when you're not 18, to um, transferring from like doing photo and video for friends and just for like cash to like actually doing like businessy type things. Um, I officially launched April, like, I think the first version of the website and like everything came out April 1st, 2016. Um, and then within that span, within two weeks, we had our first paid, or I had my first paying contract 
And then for that contract right away, I had already had some people who were interested in helping me out, whether that was friends or people I met by going to a bunch of these networking events or anything of the matter. I think within like two weeks of the project start, we already, I had some contractors doing specific things that I could do. Um, and then from there, I think it was about three months before we had full-time employees. So. Wow. And how do you decide who you're going to hire? Like what has been the process of hiring employees? Have you made mistakes along the way? What's it like hiring your friends? So I never, I've never hired a friend. Um, and I think there are people that I would hire. Um, but I think when you're, when you're a lot younger, um, in your teens, so to say, um, a, like a lot of my friends were like, why are you even doing this? Like, let's go. Right. They don't understand. Yeah. And I was like, well, cause it's fun. Like I'm going to, I'm going to do this. So because of that, I think I avoided a lot of weird drama. And if there ever were friends that were interested, we'd like go for coffee and like try working together on something super random. And then nine times out of 10, it wouldn't work out. Um, and when it came to hiring individuals, like contractors were always like reference based. I've never actually put out like an ad like looking for a contractor. It was always like, hey, listen, I know you have a contractor for this. Who'd you go to? Um, and then just kind of asking around the people I know. Um, when it came to employees, it was right away, who do I, who do I know that's doing this somewhere else really well? And who can I um, entice to switch over, right. switch teams? Yes. Yeah. Um, and what have you learned about yourself as a leader now that you have people that are working for you? Um, communication is the most important thing, especially when you go from outsourcing to mainland China or something, right. and you can just send an email and everything gets done, um, and you can be very aggressive about it, <laughs> to actually having working relationships, and I, I know my business partner's walking around here, um, when you have these like very in-depth relationships and you see them more than you see your family, um, communication is where 99% of our problems have ever come from, because somebody was on a different page from somebody, and the all the little things, as long as you're communicating properly, always get drowned out, and they're never a real issue, and then you're able to fix them and overcome them right away. Um, and it's all about building proper relationships, I think. Right. Um, and that was the biggest thing that I think I learned over the last two years since this has been, um, since I started working with individuals on my team. Right. Yeah. yeah, communication, I feel, is important for literally everything in life. Yeah. Really. Especially so your employees as well as your clients, you need to be absolutely communication. Yeah, no, communicating with clients has been it, that was that was I've lost I've lost a lot of um, opportunities and I've lost contracts. And now I think for the most part, I think everyone we've regained their trust and we're back at it and like we're good. But there have always been those hurdles where either I'm not communicating or they're not communicating you're not really like reaching out to them. You're like, okay, go be stubborn over there. Like, you'll be, like that never right. works. Right. right, yeah, because you're both just sitting, making assumptions about each other. Yeah, you're just both static, like nothing's changing, right? Definitely. Um, and how do you decide which projects to take on or which clients to work with? Because I'm sure you get pitched a lot or people, like you said, there's tons of references. They're like, can you do this, can you do this? Like, how do you decide which is worth your time? At the beginning, it was I'd just take anything on that I could. Right, yeah. Like, absolutely anything. Like, if it was paying money, or even if it was, like, kind of worth doing it because it's a portfolio piece, whatever, I'd just do it. Um, now, once we figured out exactly what the company is, like, it's, it's gone through such an evolution over the last probably 12 months um, from, like, really locking down what we want to be doing, and that is solving problems with good design. 
right? And once we figured that out and we figured out the whole aspect of like it's about the foundation and really setting ourselves up apart, not even apart from our own, but really just doing our own thing that we have we can track and prove success with, um, right away we after even I think it was I think I was chatting um, with a bunch of people from YYC Cycle. And then I was like, okay, I should start thinking about this. And then Andrew's like, listen, do your customer, like find your perfect customer, like figure out who that is. And once that happens, once you know exactly who your target is, your your voice will change, your why will adjust, um, and you'll be able to better communicate it. And after that happened, it was like, boom, now I know exactly who we want to be working with. And everybody else is just a no. Because it does, it's not worth your time chasing, especially small projects, small projects that are super demanding, because they, for them, it's a lot of money, but for you, it isn't like it isn't a, it isn't like a full project, so to say, and you don't give them as much attention as they expect, or they expect way more than whatever is actually like contractually is written out, right? So um, that removes all of that noise, and you're just you're put and you're working with people that you love, you're working with businesses that you love. And you're actually passionate to make a difference. Right. Yeah. I don't know if I answered the question. You did answer the question. Okay, cool. <laughs> it was what clients, how do you choose which clients? And that's, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was it. If you're passionate about it. Yeah. So not only are you running a full-fledged agency, but like you said, you're in school, you also run a fashion company. So how do you balance everything? When do you sleep? Um, I've been really good about my sleep lately. I, uh, I realized how important sleep is. After I burnt out, not burnt out. After I kept getting sick and couldn't figure out why I was getting sick. Right. Um, so the so this this fashion thing. Um, yeah. Sorry for saying fashion. I was like, I don't exactly know what you call it. No. So it's it's, it's called Magari. Yes. And what it originally was um, is it, we just it it was just a fashion thing that we wanted to do and it wanted to be our creative output. Um, and we had many different ideas of where we want to take it. And it was it was this weird thing because we haven't really seen it here in Calgary. There have been there hasn't been um, a group of individuals or a company that really articulates streetwear or fashion. Um, there's the only people that are pushing fashion here is Park, um, and they're doing a phenomenal job with their side. But there is there's a lack of streetwear and there's a lack of high end men's technical fashion, and it was it was like okay, hey, we just got to bring it here. So we're like, okay, hey, we're gonna throw some events. And last year we ended up having to through eight events. Um, and what we did is we designed uh, like prototypes of our own clothing we wanted to put out into the world. And then we mixed it with like the super hype, what everyone's looking for, like the Supremes, the Off-White, the every, every brand that was trendy at that time, we kind of mixed it in and see what would sell. And very quickly realized that our brands would sell out right away. Our brand would always kind of be, everything would always be gone by the night, but nobody knew what it was, right. especially because not all of it was marked. And then we knew like what was sticking and what wasn't sticking. Um, and we just, we, we ran these events. We had artists perform. We shut down um, the Peace Bridge doing a, like a pop-up slash drop. So we were just giving away Magari branded merch for free. Um, and it became this just super fun thing that we were doing. It was a passion project because we wanted to see fashion change in Calgary. And we did that, and we quickly realized that potentially opening up like a storefront here to do, um, to, to sell either like streetwear or sell very specific things is unfortunately the market here isn't popular enough. Um, and we're competing with everyone who's online, and it's just not worth 
it's not worth the amount of time that we'd have to put into it because of how many other things I'm focusing on at once. Right. Um, so we've taken, we've stopped doing events in Calgary whatsoever. We have some planned around um, in Eastern Canada and some in Europe in the next two years. Um, and that's where we're, we're going to take it, wherever we want to take it, right? Um, and we've just been in the, we have a full design studio that we've been working in. We've just been making clothes and um, really making it a reflection of who we are and what we wear um, and what we, where we want, like what we want to do with it. Right. Right. So like, yeah, I wish this was a video. I know. You can't see what Vlad's wearing, but he's always next level fashion at all events. I would just, yeah, I just wear kidneys all the time. (laughs) And like yellow polka dotted shoes. So it's not just all kidneys. Yeah, you're right. right. It was more fun that way, right? (laughs) Totally. And so are you based in Calgary then? Or do you have people based like on the team that are in Eastern Canada or Europe or... How do you get to the markets that are not local? So we had to, for Magari to be a success here, you had to get all of the super hype clothing um, that wasn't in Calgary. Like, we had to bring it here. Um, So before we even threw any of our events, what we did is we built, like, a little network of individuals who can source clothes from around the world, whether that was from uh, vintage warehouses in Montreal to... Um, to people in LA who can stand in line and literally wait at the Supreme lineups and then ship it here overnight to make sure that we had it for events. You know, like um, by doing that, those pre preliminary steps, um, we were able to have um, to have people who we can trust to be in these areas and kind of start cultivating some sort of energy there. Um, and actually, like one of our one of our like best musicians, one of my best friends, Jack, he just moved out to Montreal, so there's like some there's some things that we want to do there and like. It's just such an interesting way of how everything's played out. And our Instagram, like, um, we were we were running ads, we were doing organic stuff, like just trying to get word out. Um, and very quickly, even though we were only running local ads for Calgary specifically, um, the, the the main percentage of viewership comes from New York and Europe, which was really bizarre because like no tags, no nothing, but it seems like someone somewhere saw something and it kind of trickled on there. So we just we want to keep playing. Right. Cool. That's awesome. I do feel like even though you're in Calgary, we're still behind in the fashion sense. Like you said, it's not as popular as, say, New York or Europe or Montreal. Oh, that's a good question. I think we're, I, I'm always scared of this question because everybody always makes it seem like Calgary doesn't have it at all. And like you have to leave to be something. Um, I think we're just on the tipping point of where it's going to become um, it's going to become like a part of our lifestyles um, we, we haven't as like a as a, as a Calgarian I don't think we've seen um, as Calgarians we haven't really seen the the impacts of very niche fashions because nothing is really developed here you just kind of take on and grab on to whatever trends last like whatever trends are or whatever's happening we're always a little bit behind on the time so to say um but I think it's because we don't have a true like look, almost in a sense. Um, and I think that's very that's very similar across Canada. But that being said, I think Calgary has some of the has the highest percentage of like best dressed people in Canada. I mean, that's a personal observation, but like just because of who we are and we're trying new things, I, I feel like our fashion sense is kind of growing and developing, and we're going to have. And there's a bunch ever since Magari launched. There have been so many. There have been numerous like vintage people who are who are launching and doing events and doing things and like I feel like by being the first people who ever did it here we kind of stimulated people to be like okay let's jump on this and start making it happen and 
if that little impact kind of caused a ripple effect, I think we're going to see it here soon. Right. Yeah. Well, and so. I think because we have less oil and gas, more people have now tuned into their creative side mm-hmm. and are like, what else can we do? What else the city has offered? So like you said, I think we are just on like the cusp of jumping into a more creative side of the city. Yeah. And I think a big thing has, there's a lot of different elements that play into this from political to economical, but I think also we only recently have started to redefine like the urban scene here. Um, we got like East Village, 17th Ave has become bigger than ever. Um, I know the downtown, like downtown, as like an the downtown association is trying to flip everything on its head and like make it vibrant. Like at 5 p.m. on a Friday night, it's dead. Totally. There's nothing going on. Like what can we put into these, first of all, empty office spaces and second of all, just empty streets and make things, like make people come together. And I think that's because of a lack of community, we are not, we're not presented all these different values when it comes to fashion or some sort of um, group or like like subgenres and like culture like that doesn't exist if everyone's sitting in their suburban home and kind of doing their own thing browsing the internet or playing board games right right so I think by that with all of these kind of trends happening these kind of like people starting to come together more and more we're gonna start it start seeing it develop and start seeing it develop very quickly right which is super exciting yeah. um, let's talk about your content creation for a second because you're obviously very creative um, and have lots of ideas when coming to like all your clients and to your fashion and everything like that um, with YYC because we obviously work together with the content side and yeah. people are like, can you make this Vlad style? Uh-oh. Yeah, which really? <laughs> I'm like, well, you can hire Vlad because I don't do Vlad style. It's a thing. It's a thing. Oh God. Yeah, so you have a unique style when creating content and obviously because you've been doing it forever. So how did that really develop and where do you get your inspiration from? I was having this conversation with somebody the other day um, and I was trying to figure out exactly where the inspiration kind of comes from. But what I do know is that it came from two things. First off, when you get something like that camera that originally got, I still have it and I still use it for like very specific things. But when you have something that is so beyond your level, you start figuring out things and playing with settings and changing frame rates and focus pulling and like just doing weird things that maybe traditionally you wouldn't ever do if you went to film school because it's not the right way, the correct way, so to say. I think because of that, I started noticing these different little like little hooks that you can make in filming something or you can change change the look of, of like a bike, like a spin bike in a studio. And with that, like I only had that one camera. Like I couldn't afford another piece. Like I, didn't, I couldn't change lenses on it. Like I had what I had. But I think because of that, I started doing a lot of different things and playing around and started figuring out what I could make things look like. Um, and I think that was a big part of it, was just having that ability to play and kind of take it with my own perspective. Um, and then the second thing is, is when I got, when I started making money, I started buying every piece of gear that I could afford to buy. Was it called? Gear, gear acquisition syndrome. I feel like every <laughs> intro photographer, video, whatever, yeah. you get into something and you want to have it all, right? Um, and I think by going through that, um, I very quickly was like, okay, I'm going to sell this, 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 this. I'm not going to use this lens. And then it got to a point when I was just literally running around with my little Sony a7 and a 50 millimeter prop that was it. There's probably two years of me just running around with that one lens, one camera, and really learning how to use every part and changing. Like, do I have to run 20 feet this way? Do I have to get uncomfortably close? Like, what do I have to do? Um, and by really limiting myself, I was very quickly able to, again, find, find different ways, find ways to make things look differently and more aligned with what I want them to look like. 
Um, and then editing is a whole another part of the process that everyone always forgets a part about. Right. But I spent a lot of time, I spent a lot of time learning how to edit. Right. So I can very quickly make things look like the way they are. Right. Yeah, and you've done an awesome job. I also feel like your content, because you spend so much time figuring things out, it doesn't look like everybody else's. Because everyone can really pick up a camera and yeah. cut it together and then export I hope it. so. Yeah. I think like, especially when it comes from um, where the inspiration comes from, is watching, so as a kid growing up in a, in a household of Russian, predominantly Russian speakers, and my parents are both immigrants, um, I watched a lot of like old Soviet films and a lot of like Soviet cartoons and a lot of things that I don't think the normal Calgarian would see, so to say, who doesn't come from a background or have like a different background. And there were a lot of things that I saw there that I wouldn't have seen on like mainstream TV. And I think there are definitely were a lot of influences and I can, I can think, I, I know exactly the scene that I'm thinking of right now, but I don't know the movie, what it's called in English or well, I don't even know how to explain it, but right. <laughs> there are like certain elements that I kind of just picked up over time. And because of that, there's also that very different kind of approach to the process. Right. Um, and like, if people could copy me, that'd be great because then I could find more people to hire. Um, right. <laughs> so far, I haven't done that yet. Yeah. But at the same time, that also gives you like an edge to, so if someone sees your content, they're like, wow, the only person that's creating it like this is... I hope you so. at the moment. I think it could be. I think it could be either super positive, or super negative. Like I feel like I've heard or I've received emails from individuals who like absolutely hate what I'm doing. Right. And I'm like, okay, like that's great. Right. <laughs> I don't know why they email me that. Like, you just told me in person. Like, I see you right. pretty frequently. But um, it is it is a lot of fun to see where that can take me. Right. Um, and it's just like so I, I do the YouTube thing every once in a while and mess around. And, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um. And so if someone. Obviously, content creation is huge in developing a brand, but there's other things that go into it. What would be some tips that you would give listeners who are trying to develop a brand? Whether it's personal or a business, where should they start? Um, figure out your why. Why are you, why are you doing that? What's the, there's no point to build a brand just to build a brand. Um, I think that is foundationally the number one thing you have to do. And it's always overlooked. Um, even like my personal brand, like I've overlooked it since day one. Um, until I was like, wait a second. I tell all my clients to do this. Shouldn't I do this for myself too? Um, and that is that is probably the number one piece. Because once you know why you're doing it, everything else kind of naturally falls into play. Um, and then just be you. Like you are as an individual a unique person. Um, you are poolside digital. Like you are you. You are you. So play off your strengths and understand what your weaknesses are. And if you can't fix your weakness, find somebody that can do it for you. You know, like. And when it comes to building your brand, like just focus on what makes your brand you, especially if it's a personal brand. Right. And then every like yeah, everything kind of just fall into place. And there has to be a story. Don't just make a brand that's garbage. And don't use like a Squarespace like logo generator. <laughs> right. Um, that's not original. Yeah. But. Uh, and with social media, because you're obviously big on social media with your clients and yourself, uh, what would you say are some of the biggest trends currently? With social media trend what's that new thing that just started happening the 10 years oh yeah the, the 10 year what, what challenge is that? Like, it's like where does taking that come a from? photo from 10 years 2009 ago. yeah and they just and it. Who someone started that? someone said they're like i bet you facebook started this so everyone reactivates their facebook account i was like true wow that's actually, because that's, that's like brilliant. when i went to go find mine all i did was go through insta or go through facebook until i came to my 2009 photos so oh wow that's because who has their photos like categorized in files by you? Okay. 
I, besides yourself. I, Everyone else has deleted them except for yeah, yeah, Facebook. Yeah. So that's actually really smart. Yeah, someone said it's just someone on Facebook. Zach, if you did that. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> which one of your minions probably is. Yeah, then good on you. Wow. I mean, I did help set a new world record for most like photo, the egg. I was oh, there. yeah. I was oh, there for that. that same. Was, like, two days ago, we yeah. pressed like. Oh, we did. Um, I'm still trying to figure out who started that too. I don't know about that one. I feel like I know who did. I feel like it was Elliot. Who's Elliot? He's this super rad kid. He's been building Instagram accounts forever. And I don't I don't know if it was him or if he's just playing off the meme of it now. Yeah. Um he's he's like a mutual friend of mine and he's he's huge on Instagram. Like he's worked with like Gary Vee and stuff. I don't oh, cool. um yeah, yeah, I don't really know him all that well. He's not really a mutual friend. But what's his handle? Right. So Elliot. Just Elliot? Yeah. Oh. Um because he made a video about like a hundred thousand likes on the that'll kill the egg and then she just smashes it. So I don't know if it, I don't know if he's faking it or right. whatever. But his entire friend group kind of jumped on this bandwagon. I don't know. Right. right. It's something he would do. He's yeah. a very smart dude. I think he's like 21. Yeah. Wow. Like, kid's smart. Yeah. He runs Dunk. Dunk is the largest oh, okay. basketball account on Instagram. Wow. There so, you go. Um, oh, right. Question. Um, so, eggs are trending. <laughs> eggs are trending. Um, life is great. What do you say? So, as you think about other trends, how do you feel about IGTV? What's your, just what's your opinion on that? I've never used it. Do you think it'll die out? Or do you think, I guess Instagram's keeping it alive because it's theirs, but. I don't know. I have, I have no idea. I think I've watched two Instagram TV videos. I think the concept is there. Um, I like how it's pushing for video to be shot vertically. We do live in a vertical world now. Um, so it makes sense. I'm excited for when they release like cameras that shoot 3D and then they'll shoot low yeah. ways automatically. Uh, right. I mean, you can just shoot 4K and down snap it, but um, I have no idea. I haven't seen it be implemented or used well, so I don't know what that can look like. I know a lot of people have switched from vlogging on YouTube to Instagram TV because it's easier to grow there now as a, as a new platform. Um, but I think it's, I don't know, I'd leave it for the makeup gurus who post their 10 minute makeup put on videos <laughs> and people watch that and eat it up so yeah i don't know yeah i don't have any opinion on it it'll be cool to see what happens but it will be interesting yeah yeah i should explore it i should yeah i know we've used it for some projects but again very specific people need a five minute like information like information about something right um and it's easy to access in their followings on instagram like that that's where i see it working mm-hmm. but i don't know any, i don't know any other yeah i have no opinions on any other way of doing it yet yeah, well, we'll circle back then in a okay. year. Okay, we'll, we'll come back for 2.0 Vlad interview. Oh. <laughs> uh, so couple more questions. I'm here. So, because you work with a lot of different businesses, different sizes, what would you say are the common mistakes that people are making in their business? Um, not, like common mistakes like that I've made throughout working with people or people, no, other people? No, people, like when they're running oh, their business and growing their business. shade. Yeah. Um, not setting up proper contract. That has been something that I've encountered. I've I've been there myself. Um, I only started probably like talking to a lawyer like four or five months ago. Um, but not having things like not having like the little details figured out, um, especially on contracts, because that's where if I get upset with you and we're doing something, and I and and people can see like you want to protect yourself. Um, and it's more about being proactive than reactive. So just like have those little things set up, um, not properly tracking cash flows. 
has been something that we've noticed because we work we work very long term with some businesses and we can tell um, when something's going on because something just wasn't like it wasn't planned for in a sense and when that happens it's like we're in a position where like we still need to get paid right um, and you need to you need let's say this money to file your taxes or whatever like it's very interesting especially those like businesses that just scaled up and are making way more money but don't know how to control it yet right um, do your bookkeeping know what to expense these are like really dumb little things that you need to do um, and take a moment to just chill out and look at your business and be like okay this is working and this isn't don't get caught up in the don't get caught up in the moments learn from the mistakes nice so I don't even know it's so generic I feel like everybody says that but I feel like people need to actually listen to it totally yeah uh, how often do you sit back and look at your business and kind of prune it is that like an annual thing quarterly thing daily thing this last year has been super weird because all we've been working on is internal structure customer journeys and making sure we can better serve people to have better lives so with that, um, from like a high level thing, it, it happens at least once or twice a month where we'll sit down with the team, have like a proper meeting. We'll go out for dinner and everybody will just chat. Like you gotta, you gotta get people comfortable and they just have to chat about whatever that's on their mind because the little things add up. Um, so that's been something that I've been really like pushing to do almost monthly um, or like more than once a month. Um, for myself, I've been spending a lot of time on this. So it's like once every couple days, it's like what's really going on? Um, I might not do the full bird's eye view overview of where I want to take this in seven years because I don't really look at it that way. Um, but always having a running tally on it and kind of having the game plan figured out, tracking, setting up little KPIs where you know I need to do this and if I do this I'll get that and whatever. And uh, it's just, I just lost my train of thought. I love my <laughs> office. Um, setting up trackable uh key points in whatever you're trying to do especially like for me it's like if it's working with x amount of clients or doing this amount of diversified projects or working with this many industries or whatever that is having that all tracked out and like checking on it every once in a while for me it's like every like i say two or two to three days um, i mean i journal every day now that was a game changer oh, yeah. 2018 yeah I started journaling every day yeah my life has gone substantially better i can fall asleep easier yeah. do you write it on an actual piece of paper or do you type it out oh i write it yeah. Oh yeah. I'll even. I mean, I, I, there's no point of bringing it into here. I'm very passionate about my moleskin. It's a good time. Moleskin yeah. and a fountain pen. Yeah. Interesting. Do you do it in the morning when you wake up, or do you do it at night, or just like whenever you have like too many thoughts? All of the above. Oh, okay. Um. So I'm up at four thirty every morning, and four thirty to five thirty, I'll either journal and read or read in the journal, um, and then hopefully make it to spin. But most of the time, I get too distracted doing work. Right. And then miss my 6 a.m. classes. Yeah. Or you're running it late. If anyone's ever been to a 6 a.m. class that Vlad's supposed to be in, he comes in 30 seconds before it starts. <laughs> hey, as long as you're there, and you're there matters. showing up with 110%, <laughs> we're good. I get in the zone. Like, I've been yelled at. Montana was yelling at me, or Jazz, on New Year's. And I had no idea until they told me. After. Right. Like, we were yelling at you. We said your name eight times. Right. I was like, guys, I was... <laughs> like, I was spinning. I'm in my... Yeah. Um... But kind of like set your day up, journal that out, and then if there's anything that I have to figure out or if there's any thoughts or um, there's something that I've been like, hey, why do I feel this way or why is this not working out? Um, just thinking of a good example that would make sense. Um, 
Oh, the other day I was like, why, why can't I, why am I not eating when I should be eating? And it boils down to like a lot of different things that I didn't even think about, but it came down to like, I don't want to carry my lunch bag from the car because it's like a 15 minute walk because I'm not paying for school parking at like $16 an hour. Right. So I think you can relate to that. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that's, that's, that's number one that I forget or this happens or that happens. So like, right. I was trying to figure that out. I'm like, okay, well now I just started eating and I feel great. Wow. Right? Like, surprising. <laughs> <It's> crazy. <laughs> so. Cool. Uh, a really stupid example how to think about it, but. But it's something that's super simple. Yeah. That you just yeah. didn't really ever think about. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you know when you're stuck in your own head before you fall asleep? Yes. If that ever happens, I'll just get out of bed and I'll write all those thoughts out right. and then go back to bed and then it's like, you're out. It's gone. Yeah. That's why I do it. Right. So I can sleep more. Work more, sleep more. Gets the job done. You have to. You have to. <laughs> hey, I'm fully on to the sleeping train. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still like six hours a night, but that's better than before, so nothing matters. That is what matters. You're mm-hmm. eating and sleeping. Your brain is probably... So happy. So happy. Yeah. <laughs> I walked into the other... Like, last semester, I walked into a classroom, and it was my classroom, but I couldn't recognize anyone around me. And I was like, okay, that's fair. I'm very, when I'm in school, I'm like very just doing my own thing until after class where I can just go be a little social butterfly or whatever they call it. Um, and I sit down and we're handed a quiz. And I'm freaking out because I know my quiz isn't happening for another two weeks. But you know what? I write it <laughs> and then I submit it. And then he's like, I've never seen you in my class before. What class is this? And I found out it was like a fourth year algebra class. So I sat there and wrote the entire quiz before I even realized that it wasn't the right course. I wrote a quiz for it and then got kicked out of my own own class. It was that that evening that I realized that I needed to sleep. Wow. Did you pass the quiz? Did he mark it? Yeah, I actually sent him an email like two weeks ago. Hey, do you remember me? Like I I wrote one of your classes. He's like, oh yeah, you actually did pretty good. Okay. So I got got like an 89%. Oh. And the, the class average was like a 60, 60 something. But the only reason I knew how to do that is because I took every level of calculus in high school, like all the AP stuff, because I really liked that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, That's why I was like, I was in like, auto zone. Like right. I was deriving. I was, <laughs> it was a good time. But needed to sleep. Yeah. Um, how do you disconnect? What are your, besides journaling, what are some of the ways that you just take time for yourself? Hmm. I was trying to, that was a big struggle for me all of last year until probably like October, November when I got all my stuff together with work. Um, I ended up doing two things. I deleted every social media that I hate, like no Snapchat, no Twitter, no Facebook, like off my phone. Like I still have the accounts, but I still use them when I need to, but like completely off my phone. Um, I got a secondary phone, which is like, why would you do that? Um, and it's specifically for the reason that I've got one work phone, like it's completely work, email, text, call, and a personal phone that's also has way too much data so I can use it for work stuff. But um, I have all my like really close contacts in that phone. If I need to turn work off because I'm in school or I just can't do it anymore. Excuse me, I'm just like dying over here in the corner. Um, I could just turn it off and same thing goes for like my personal phone, like if I need to disconnect, I can turn off or just throw it on me. And neither of my phones um, have any notifications of any kind. So I get phone calls, will ring, 
and then like my parents, business partner, and like three closest friends in my world will actually ring through my phone. That's it. Because if you need to call me, I'll answer. But if you text me or, or email me or whatever, right. it'll be very I'm very strict about my emails. I'll check at eight a.m. and eight p.m. That's it. Oh. And everything else is like unless I know it's coming and I need something like. Right. You don't need that. Yeah. Too much noise. Got to focus. Information deprivation. Game changer. That'll be the quote of the podcast. I love that. <laughs> oh, reading, reading, read a lot. That was going to be my, my next question. Really? What is a podcast or book that you would recommend? So what are you reading right now? What am I reading right now? Um, yeah. I'm reading 12 Rules for Life by Jordan B. Peterson. I know he's a super controversial guy for some reason. I don't know why he's controversial. The book has been great so far. Yeah. Um, so I'm reading that. I just finished a book called, um, I, think it was, I think it was called 10, 10 Reasons to Delete Your Social Media Right Now. And I read it um, when I completely disconnected. I turned my phones off for three days and I was just at a cabin with my friend, uh, with my two friends, and like nothing, no digital, no nothing. And I read that book during that time. Um, that was, although a lot of it was either really far out there or already, like you already know it, just reading it really reinforced some ideas and like quickly I cut out a bunch of stupid habits like scrolling or, you know, like using it as a tool. If you're going to use it, use it as a tool. Don't use it as an escape of reality, so to say. Right. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of books mm-hmm. that I've been I've either read or I've been looking at that I can't think of them right now. I can pop open my Goodreads account. We can really yeah. dissect this. Let's, are we going to do it? Let's do it. Um, the Power of Habit. That oh, was yeah. a huge read mm-hmm. um, from like a business perspective and personal perspective. I got into a lot of really good habits and I quit doing a lot of really dumb things that were like going on my phone before bed. Right. Don't do that. Yeah. We're very simple. So it's a little simple things. They all add up. Right. Um, your orders. Let's look at this. What else have you been reading? Reading. Um, I've been spending a lot of time in design books. Logo Modernisms, Dear Rams, 10 Principles for Good Design. Um, the Compound Effect was a fantastic read. Um, oh, and The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Oh, yeah. All of Tim's books yes. are phenomenal. I finished, like, Tool of Titans, 4-Hour Workweek, I started 4-Hour Body. Like, all of his reads are phenomenal. Um, so, if you, if you just need to learn something, just read those, any of his books. You'll always take something away. Yeah. No, I'm right in the middle of 4-Hour Workweek. It's it's game changing, and even though it's like written a long time ago, none of the principles have changed since. No, everything yeah, is which still is very interesting. Yeah, like it's it's it's, it's a theory based book, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Um, yeah. The whole outsourcing thing, like I've outsourced as much as I can in my life, and I've always have ever since I started doing what I'm doing now. Right. But like reading it and being like, wow, I can really apply this to my personal life. So I don't I don't order groceries. Like I don't go to the grocery store. I built a list, and I have a person in Thailand order them for me. And at seven p.m. tonight, on my way to spin, I'm gonna pick them up from superstore, and everything's already taken care of. Wow, that's efficiency. That is that is wow. yeah. You gotta yeah, you gotta. And that's why I'll just sit at a coffee shop for ten minutes, drinking a coffee, and not do anything. Like I don't have to worry about those little things. Right, right. Which take up a lot of time. Which take up a lot when you time. add it all together. Yeah, like I wish I could outsource like cleaning my house. But I'm still not confident in that yet. I haven't found the right person. But it's definitely doable. Yeah, I think so. Like, I don't know. What else can you outsource? 
sleep. You can't outsource sleep and actually eating. I feel like you can outsource everything else though. Yeah. You can't outsource your school assignments because that's technically plagiarism. But I mean, isn't everything just plagiarism? Yeah. You could just hire an intern and then have no written record of what you're doing. Yeah, I don't. I mean, you wouldn't learn as much. I'm not one for plagiarism, but like, there's some assignments where you're just like, why am I doing this? I feel like everybody has had that one writing assignment that just is completely irrelevant. You have to do it because it's roughly 10% of your grade. Yep. So. Uh, Where can people connect with you? Where can we find you? Clearly not on Snapchat. Don't reach out to Vlad on Snapchat. But where else? I'm really sad I deleted my Snapchat. There's a lot of people on there. I just, uh, this is really stupid, but every time I post a YouTube video, I'd link it to my Snap story because you have to swipe up. Mm-hmm. And that would get me like 200 views. And now I don't get those views. I mean, I only get like 100 views per video, but. Right. Maybe it's worth getting Snapchat just for that. But just the, outsource that. Get someone to log into your Snapchat, post a video, swipe up. Dallas! <laughs> oh, is his AirPods in. Probably waiting at his ears on his last phone. Um. Where can you connect with me? Uh, my Instagram is great. Mm-hmm. What's your um, handle? It's at takeov, T-A-I-K-O-V-V. Mm-hmm. That's my handle on anything. So if you want to, like even my Snapchat, um, that's my handle on everything. So just reach out to me. Um, LinkedIn, also takeov. Just search that up and I'll, I'll pop up. Um, you can send me an email. I mean, that'd be great. I love having email conversations. But only at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. though. So that's when I'll answer them. I might answer them another day. <laughs> but if you send me an email of like Vladimir, or let's make this really easy, v at workmore.ca. There you go. I'll get it. And I'll know it's from this podcast. Yes. Sweet. If you're looking for book recommendations, just email. Yeah, I was e. thinking, is it worthwhile doing um, like doing like an Instagram story archive of the books that I've read up to this point? Like I saw, I saw some people doing it. I thought it was cool. But do people actually care about that? Because like, if I'm going to post something, I want it to be valuable, yes. either to myself or to someone else. I think it's valuable. Yeah? I think books are especially valuable because everyone... Books are coming back. They're coming back. I've seen Isn't so many weird? people that are like, I'm going to read 30 books this month, and then they keep people updated. Yeah. And people are like, well, people are asking how this book went, so here's my review. People okay. want to know. I'll yeah. do that when you get home. I've got... I've got yeah, I also got in the really bad habit of like bulk ordering like 10 books off Amazon. Oh, yeah. That's really unhealthy. Because I like going to like the local bookstores and like supporting them. Like, right. The one in Britannia is great. But then they just don't get some sort of books. I'm really disappointed about that. But... Amazon's great. And it comes in two days, so. And that Amazon Prime? Because you're a student. I don't pay for Amazon Prime. Because I'm a student. Just, just use your studio. I use my sister's account instead. There you <laughs> She's go. A student. There you go. That's what you need. Yeah, yeah. Take advantage of everything when you're a student. Oh, totally. Like everything that you can take advantage of, do it. And then pretend you're a student for four years after it. Or just never graduate. Always <laughs> take one course. True. Like, for me, like I'd say it's almost worthwhile. It's cheaper to pay for a course than it is to pay full price for everything. If you're still technically registered, you're still technically a student. Wow, I need to do the math on that. Curious. That is Vlad's advice for everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> never quit school. <laughs> yeah. All right, well... That is the end. Thank you for this conversation. Thanks. I could have done so much better, but you know what? This is the first time. We can do another one later. Cool. We'll do a video podcast. I'll interview you. Ooh. Ooh. Has anyone done that yet? No. Okay, let's do it. Okay.
doesn't have to be video. We can do it on your podcast. True. Yeah. Okay. Well, we will see you in the next episode. Okay, bye.